please, in the book of Ephesians tonight. And let me, let me say this. Pray for Sunday. Lord willing, Lord gives me the opportunity to. Uh, Sunday morning, we're going to be looking at this. Great and mighty things. Great and mi- how, how would you like to see some great and mighty things? Do you believe this tonight, that the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament is still the same God today? And what he did then, he can do now. Let me say this, and then we'll get started. The chemist, and you know, Brad's looking for a job. And uh, I'll tell you something that you didn't, you may not have known about Brad, but when he uh, went to Bible college, he surrendered for ministry. And he's been playing Jonah <laughs> for all of this while. He, he knew that God had called, he knows that God has called him into ministry. And uh, he has, he's from Canada. He's gotten comfortable in the United States. You remember back during Missions Month, one of the missionaries were talking about these people that come and they go to college and they never come back. Uh, there, there he sits right there. But the, the Lord has worked in a lot of different ways over the last several months, including uh, breaking apart Brad's nest, his comfort zone, uh, when he went to Maryland. And it became very um, uncomfortable having to be away, be separate from the family. And he came and talked to me about it. Three years ago, they both came and said, God wants us in ministry and eventually we'll be back in Canada. But, but it's just comfortable. And God has made it uncomfortable. And in the last several weeks in praying, uh, God has shown them that now is the time. And there is a church in Canada tonight that is waiting on them. Uh, they, have, uh, they have a need for a youth pastor, youth director, uh, someone to work with music, and someone to work with the children in the church. A wide open door of opportunity. And uh, Brad will have to find a job when he gets there. And uh, it'll probably, knowing Brad, it'll probably be at Tim Hortons. And uh, you say, well, what's a Tim Hortons? It's the same in Virginia, it would be Krispy Kreme. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 it really wouldn't. Anyway, they're, they're, they're looking at, we don't know when, we don't know when yet. God will provide all of that. But even this week, uh, in the last seven days since we talked last Wednesday, even this week in devotions, God has given them total peace that, uh, okay, I called you into ministry before, and now is the time for ministry. And so I want you to pray for them as God leads them and directs them and uh, just be, be prayerful for them over these next several weeks or months. Whatever it is that God uh, takes them there, we'll, we'll stand behind them in prayer. Ephesians chapter 1 tonight, and uh, let's begin reading in verse 11. We'll read through verse 14. This is our fourth lesson in, uh, in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, and we're just to the 11th verse. I'll be 162 when we finish the book of Ephesians. In whom also we obtained an inheritance, being predestined or predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Now notice if you would, tying verse 11 and 12, being predestinated, now come to verse number 12. What are we predestinated to? That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. We talked about that last week. In whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And that will be the last 
of what we look at tonight at the end of our lesson time, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Verse 3 through verse number 6, as we studied that, we were looking at praising God for His sovereign work. And uh, we sort of looked at that first week after our introduction, the fact that God is good. Then we came back and we looked at verse 7 through 10, and we said we're praising God not just for His sovereign work, but for His saving work. And we were reminded that God sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to redeem us. That's where we parked for a good while last week. And that God in His grace opened our eyes for us to be able to understand the gospel. And He, through the Holy Spirit, drew us unto Himself and He redeemed us. Now tonight, Paul again is looking at God be praised. And God is to be praised for His sharing work. Paul turns his attention tonight to the Holy Spirit. Now, God, through the Holy Spirit in our lives, God has provided a way. He has revealed a plan. And now He's opened the treasures of heaven to us and shares everything in His possession with us. Let's look at number one, if we would, for a few moments, the place of God's sharing work. God's greatest gifts cannot be found just anywhere. Now, if you look, we're looking at this, they are found in a person. God's greatest gifts are found in a person, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. It is amazing to me how many people believe in Jesus, but they don't believe who Jesus was. Some of the largest religions in the world believe in Jesus. They don't deny His existence, but they deny His deity. Largest religions in the world say, he's a good teacher. I was in a place the other day. There was a couple that needed a, a ride, and they were an elderly couple. And uh, my, I wish you could have seen it. It was rather funny. They needed a ride, and it was Sonia and I. We were in a truck, and I've got the baby seats in the back. So Sonia got in the back of the truck. I don't mean the back seat. I mean in the bed of the truck. She's riding along. And I gave these people a ride for about a half mile. And the guy knew, he said, you are some of the sweetest people. You're some of the nicest people we've ever met. And uh, he knew that I was a pastor. He said, your wife tells me you're a pastor. And I said, yes. He said, well, I don't know many pastors like you. And I said, well, you don't know very many pastors. And he said, can I ask you a question while we ride? I said, yeah. He said, what kind of preacher are you? I said, I'm a Baptist preacher. He said, well, this is going to make my wife mad, but I'm going to ask you anyway because I just want to know. What do you think about the Jehovah's Witness? So now I know that my wife's in the bed of the truck, and I've got a Jehovah's Witness lady in the back seat of the truck, and a husband who is playing devil's advocate. And I said, well, you know, I have met some very nice Jehovah's Witnesses. I said, you know, I've got to tell you this. They are the most zealous, faithful people to their religion. I said, I wish that we as Baptists had the zeal that they show in their service to their belief. I could have looked in my rearview mirror and she's smiling. I said, however. <laughs> and the smile went away. I said, however, my struggle with the Jehovah's Witness, and my Bible was there in the truck, 
right in the center. I laid my hand on it. I said, the struggle that I have with the Jehovah's Witness is they believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in the deity of Jesus. And I slowed way down because now I'm getting a chance. And I said, they believe that Jesus was a good man and taught good things, but they don't believe that Jesus is the true and living Son of God. I get, God gave me about five minutes. We pulled over. We stopped. We were where we needed to be. And we weren't on the road either, by the way. And just to witness to them of that and to think, here's this lady in her 70s who has followed a belief that doesn't accept who Jesus is. Tonight, the place of God's sharing work is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 11, in whom? In whom? That whom is the Lord Jesus. Verse number 10, God's blessings are found in a faith and having a relationship with that Lord Jesus. He maketh, I will say this, you know, every person that is ever born, saved or lost, experiences blessings of God. Okay? Now let me, let me show you what I'm talking about and give you a verse. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45 says this. He maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. So all that God has created, all the air that we breathe and water and food and life and this world, the blessing that God has given us, the unsaved enjoy that blessing as well. But they don't enjoy the blessing of relationship that is found in the person of Christ. The place of God's sharing work first is with a person. Now, notice the second, if you would, be they're also found in a plan. Being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. I don't want to get hung on predestinated tonight. But in my Bible, in my Bible, it doesn't say that we're predestinated for salvation. There is predestination. I can't stand here and say, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about predestination. It does say some things about predestination. One of the things it does say, that we are predestinated to be in the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. And the purpose of His saving us, that purpose is not for us to be in heaven or He would save us and kill us. But there is that change. You remember what Corinthians said? The old man passes away and all things become new. We are a new creature. We are pulling us from our salvation forward. God's predestinated us to bring us back into the image and likeness of Christ. Now, when's that going to happen? We know it's only going to fully happen when we're in His presence in heaven. But life is a process of doing that. Now, this word predestinated, and look at verse 11, makes a clear statement about the sovereignty of God. It says, worketh all things according to the counsel of his own will. This word predestinated simply means this, appointed. It means appointed. 
It refers to the plan that God the Father made for his people. So before the foundation of the earth, really, when we speak of predestination, we're talking about God's predetermining, not salvation, but the life of the Christian after salvation and what we should become. Now, when we leave this world, God has predestinated us to live with him forever and eternity. Remember what he said in John chapter 14? I go to prepare a place for you. If I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Here's a word that I find just about every time that the word predestinated or predestination is spoken of in the scripture. It's this word, that. I'll prepare a place and come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. When we come back to our, our text tonight, there's a that in there as well. Now, uh, according to the purpose of his own, uh, of him, uh, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, the word will that we see here, speaks of God's desire. God orders every event in life to see that everything works out like he intends it to work out. Preacher, explain that. I can't explain it all. How in the world? And, and, and I don't know when we'll know the answer to this. How is what Bill Gooding going, is going through right now, how is God going to be glorified through that? I don't know, but I can promise you this. God did not allow something to happen that su surprised us. I remember Bill called me that afternoon. He said, pray for me. I'm on the way to the doctor. I'm having pains in my stomach like I've never had before. A few hours later, Brother Tom had him at the, at the hospital, and now we're seven weeks probably, maybe a little bit more than that, removed from it. We're surprised. God's not. What will we all learn from this? What will we learn? I don't know yet. And I don't know why this is in God's will. But can I tell you this? There's nothing that happened to you today that was not in God's will. And nothing's going to happen to us tonight or tomorrow that is not within his will. According to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. All events of life serve to accomplish his purpose. Look at C if you would. They're also found in his pleasure. You realize tonight that you and I were created for God's glory and for his pleasure. Verse 12 and 13 refers to that. The praise of his glory after the counsel of his own will or his own desires. Verse 12 and verse 14. Uh, the praise of his glory. All the blessings that we enjoy come to us through the heart of God. He delights. He delights in blessing his people. Now, I, I don't think there's, I know there's a few younger folks here. But I think tonight when God blesses us, he, it brings him great pleasure to see us enjoy the blessings. If you're a parent or a grandparent here tonight, you know the joy. And all of us know the joy of giving someone a gift. We bless them with a gift. And when they receive it, they receive it with joy and gladness. And you can tell 
You can tell that they wanted this gift, that they love this gift, they can use this gift, and they're excited about it. It's fun to watch kids when they open things. Christmas Day, and they play with the box. We've all been there. But those that are parents and grandparents, you know what it is, and I've got a picture somewhere stashed away in a in file from when we came back from uh, visiting with John in Germany, and Ellie was a little bald-headed baby. She was able to talk and communicate a little bit, but no conversation. And I bought a German doll to bring it back. And we were sitting in the living room. I've got the picture. And I brought that doll up for her to see, and she went, and that's the picture. Take a picture quick. I'm not doing it again. Everybody said, what is preacher doing then? But her little mouth and the excitement in her eyes. Let me tell you something. I don't know who enjoyed the moment more. Me or her. Looking at that doll today, probably me. And I can't help but think tonight that when God blesses us, that he gets a thrill out of seeing us with the blessings that he pours out. That's the place of God's sharing work. Notice, if you would, the purpose of God's sharing work. Having told us where the blessings of God originate, now Paul tells us something about the purpose. There are two purposes that we look at tonight. The first, with A, is to reveal His glory through us. Verse number 12. That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. The reality of our salvation is this. God saved us to reveal His glory through us to a lost world. I had to say that slow to make sure I got it right. To reveal His glory through us, not to us. I am God, I'm revealing myself to you. But to reveal His glory through us to a lost and dying world. And when the world sees the saints of God, what they're seeing is a living and breathing testament. The book of Ephesians chapter 2, we'll get to it eventually, a couple of years. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath afore ordained that we should walk in them. We are His workmanship. What does that mean? A work or that which He has made. It refers to an artist's work, a crowning, the creation of all the abilities. I was thinking, just looking over notes earlier today of some of the folks in our church that had a, something that was crowning to them. I used to visit, we'd go visit the Wade and Helen Curtis. Helen had a fish pond, koi fish. She took great pleasure in those because she had dug that hole out and she worked it. She had koi fish in there this big. Now, from, I think it was November on, she wouldn't go anywhere near it because those fish would go to the bottom of her pond. You could still see them. 
and all their metabolism slowed down, and they looked like they were dead under there, and the water would freeze and all sorts of stuff. But then about April, March or April, when the water thawed out, suddenly those came back up, and she'd get out there, and she'd work the plants and the flowers. A lady that we used to call Toodles here in the church, Lucy, Sonia and I would visit her house. She had flowers all over the place. She was so proud of her knockout roses. Margaret Watson tonight has a gift, a talent that she's developed. Of, is it knitting or crocheting? I don't know the difference between it. It's knitting. And most of the babies that are born in our church, she knits for them something. All of those are workmanship. And Paul says in Ephesians 2, we are his workmanship. See, the world tonight is watching us. Let me read from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse number 3 says this, Ye are the epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifested, declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered to us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. You've heard people say, you are the only Bible some people will ever read. There's great truth to that. We are His workmanship. So we reveal His glory through us. Now notice if you would, let's move on down to the next one, and that is to reveal His gifts to us. Another part that has to do with God revealing His grace through us is the inheritance that we have with Jesus. Verse 11, we are we have obtained an inheritance. Now, there's a difference in an inheritance and heritage. Every one of us in this room tonight, we have a heritage. Heritage has to do with what was before us, what was past. The inheritance is what comes in the future. Every one of us tonight has a heritage. And it may be good, it may be bad, it may be godly, it may be evil. The way we walk, the way we think, the way we interact with this world, sometimes, if not all the time, is determined by our heritage. But regardless of the kind of heritage we have behind us, every Christian, every saint of God has a marvelous inheritance. Now listen to 1 Peter. As Peter writes this, he said, Blessed be God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away. You know, if you want to see mankind at the worst, wait till there's an inheritance. Wait till there's the reading of the will. You want to, listen, you know, they say buzzards assemble where there's somebody that's died. Right back there, uh, Wade Curtis came in after Helen had passed away. And he came in and sat down. I sat down next to him, put my arm around him and said, How you doing, Wade? And he said, The buzzards have come. I said, Well, what do you mean? He said, People that I haven't seen in years and I didn't know they were still alive are coming around because they think there's something for them. Now, this inheritance, it's incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, and it's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. Every day that we live in this world, God demonstrates one of His purposes when He blesses us. And listen, 
Jesus, the Son of God, and the church is going to get the inheritance at the same time. A wonderful thought. The place of God sharing, the purpose of God sharing, and we need to finish this tonight, the promise of God sharing work. First of all, it's seen in His saving work. And we talked a lot last week about the saving work. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth. When the gospel was preached, the Holy Spirit opened the eyes of lost sinners and draws them to Jesus. The sinner has to do something. He has to respond and trust Christ by faith for his salvation. And I don't think I have to do this tonight. I don't think I need to read through all these scriptures tonight, but the question is this, what is the gospel? And let me just give you some verse references and and enough of the verse so that you understand where it's going. 1 Corinthians 15, For I have delivered also that which uh, I received also, how that Christ died. Remember what it said? Died according to the scriptures, was buried, rose again according to the scriptures. That's gospel. Romans chapter 4, verse 25 who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. What is that? That's the gospel. John chapter 3, verse 16, the very clear presentation of the gospel. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. What is that? Again, it's the gospel. This is the gospel we are to preach to every creature. It's given to us when we're told to go. So it's seen in his saving work, and then B, it's seen in his sealing work. And this is an exciting part tonight to end our our study on. In In the sealing work, look at verse number 13. It says there that they are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Paul is using this word, and this is not something that was rare in the ancient world, because every legal thing was sealed. And it was sealed with hot oil and many t- or hot wax. And many times the, the king would have a ring that had his insignia on it. And that hot wax would be poured onto a legal document. For instance, the document that was written when Daniel ended up in the lion's den. That document was sealed by the king. The hot wax put there in his insignia, whether it was on his ring or whether it was an object that was placed there, it made its mark. The seal of God's Spirit signifies four great truths to us. One, it signifies our security. Now, when the ancient kings placed a seal on something, it represented a decree that was secure. And remember this, it was unchangeable. Daniel knew that the decree was unchangeable. The king knew he could not change it. Now, when Daniel was put in the lion's den, the den was sealed, was closed, and sealed. When we read in the New Testament that Christ was put into a tomb, you'll find the word that it was sealed. There was a legal seal put on that that would keep the disciples from being able to go in there without breaching or breaking the law. He sets his seal on the believer and promises us eternal security in Christ. I I can't tell We mentioned this last week. What would we do without eternal security? Without knowing that God is what it's a seal that when we look at our lives and we look at our salvation, we can go back to a time and mark it legally. It signifies security. 
Notice this, it also signifies authenticity of the document. In 1 Kings chapter 7, I was reading last week verse 8 through verse 14. The story there is Jezebel has forged letters. She forged letters in the name of Ahab having to do with Naboth's village and to having, having him put to death. And the letter was all filled with lies. But also with that, it bore the king's seal. And it showed authenticity. When God saves a soul, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives tonight declares the authenticity of the believer. Now, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, this is a passage of Scripture where people were looking at Peter and the disciples. And they had the seal of the Holy Spirit on them at this time. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter, where else have we ever heard of Peter's boldness before? The Holy Spirit. Was Peter bold in the garden? No. Was he bold in the storm? No. He was bold enough to get out of the boat. But then the storm caught his attention and the water caught his attention and diverted it. But then after Pentecost and after the Holy Spirit came on Peter, notice again, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived, they knew, that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. By what? Because the Holy Spirit signified authenticity with them. Also, it signifies authority, unalterable. Queen Esther was distressed because the decree had come and she knew that it was unchangeable. We'll not get into that tonight, but Esther chapter 8, verse 8 through 12 talks about that. But when God saved you, He sent into the world to serve Him as an ambassador, Ephesians 6. I'll be 210 when we get there. Now we have His authority. Cut through all the hype and hoopla of everything that's going on politically today. And for the last several weeks, Mike Pompeo is not listed as an ambassador, but he's going as an ambassador and he spent time overseas. He's there with the authority of the President of the United States. Every ambassador that serves in a foreign country serves with the authority of the President of the United States. Now notice this, and final, it signifies ownership. It signifies ownership. The seal of an ancient ruler declared absolute ownership. Jeremiah chapter 32. Uh, you can read through that chapter and it shows you the uh, King Zedekiah had imprisoned Jeremiah and uh, just, just read through that story. But to, to suffice to say this, when the Lord saves, he marks that soul as his personal possession. We belong. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And then we find D, it is seen in his securing work, the earnest of our inheritance. What is that? That's the down payment. That's the deposit. The Holy Spirit is the deposit on what is going to happen in the future. The Holy Spirit, you know, 
Christ said, I'll go prepare, come back, that where I am there ye may be also. And to help you remember that, we fast forward to Acts chapter 1. To help you remember that, when you're gathered there and then when we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. And he says, God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Jesus said, I got to go so that the other comforter can come. I can walk beside you down the streets of Galilee and all of these different places, but I can't go everywhere with each one of you, but the Holy Spirit can. And he is the down payment for you to realize what's going to happen in the future with you. And for all of these reasons tonight, Paul says, these are reasons, saints, these are reasons, faithful people, to praise the Lord. And so they give us reason to rejoice and reason to praise His name. His sovereign work, our salvation, and then this last piece of this tonight, the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together, please. Father, thank You for what Paul gave to us, but he didn't give it on his own. You leaned over the shoulder of Paul and you inspired him verbally to write these words. And then you preserved them for us tonight, the faithful, as Paul began to write in Ephesians 1.